everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of The Jay Davis Show. We're super excited to have Naveed Alipur with us today. Uh, he's the CEO of AI Med Global. Thanks for coming, Naveed. Jay, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to just give the listeners kind of a quick bio uh, about your career and, and what you specialize in? Yeah, sure. The The high level is that uh, I, you know, I have a law and business background. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not a computer scientist. Uh, but what we do uh, very much, uh, we have a team that's made up of doctors and clinicians and data scientists and AI experts. And we use uh, AI, uh, both machine learning capabilities and what's called a KRRAI, Knowledge Representation and Reasoning AI, that not as many people are familiar with. But we can talk about that, of course. But we use these technologies to help uh, take the fight to cancer and heart disease. We use it to detect cancer and heart disease for women specifically Yeah, uh, from one mammogram, so a two for one from the mammogram. Um, early detection, of course, is, is critical for any disease, but definitely for cancer, for breast cancer and heart disease. And then on the cure match side of the business, so within AI Met Global, we have cure metrics and cure match um, and AI Met Global, kind of like the holding company name. Um, on the cure, cure match arm, it's for any cancer, not just breast cancer. So for man, woman, or child, unfortunately, that has cancer. And if a doctor wants to recommend a three-drug combination, uh, literally, there's over four and a half million combinations. So it's beyond human cognition to process that many combinations. And that's what we do to then say, based on this patient-specific next-gen sequencing biopsy information uh, to the layperson, I say it's like the 23andMe or the Ancestry.com of that patient-specific cancer. Um, okay. And all the combinations available, here's the the recommend, recommended combination um, and in our report that then uh, goes to the oncologist in, in their arsenal of how to fight uh, that person's cancer. Interesting. So so you're taking all of that information and creating more of a custom uh, roadmap, so to speak, of here's how we're going to fight this cancer. Yeah, you got it. You got it. And at the end of the day, um, my my co-founder is an amazing lady by the name of Dr. Rizelle Kurzrock. That's K-U-R-Z-R-O-C-K for your listeners. Um, she's Canadian of birth. And uh, she always said cancer is like, uh, like snowflakes. No two snowflakes ever look the same. Yeah. So of course, in your neck of the woods in Utah, you have the best snow in the world. <laughs> but no, no two snowflakes ever look the same. And, yeah. and cancer is the same. Cancer molecularly no two will ever, ever look the same. So even though we identify cancer by organ of the body it's found in, lung cancer, yeah. liver cancer, breast cancer, really it should be identified by the molecular structure makeup. So you could actually have a cancer found in the lung that molecularly is similar to a cancer found in the stomach. Um, yeah. and, and so to truly deliver personalized medicine, um, you have to have that treatment uh, take into account that person's specific molecular makeup of their cancer. Um, and, and no two are ever the same. That's fascinating. So how did you, I mean, you, you mentioned your more law and business background. Yeah, yeah. How did you end up in medical AI? No, no, sorry. I, I got excited talking about the companies and no, it's that's not, super you, interesting. You know, I'd like to say that everything was masterfully planned and, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah. it, it wasn't right. There's a bit of serendipity involved in, you know, opportunities, uh, doors open that, uh, you know, one walks through. Um, and so I'd gone the, um, the venture capital route. We had, you know, had, we were investing in startups, 
We have a small VC fund with an artificial intelligence focus because, you know, again, there's a lot of talent around uh, San Diego with that, with the supercomputer yeah. center here in, the, in UC San Diego. Um, and, and so we were always looking at companies to invest in uh, and meeting with founders and potential founders. And uh, we had these scientists that found us, frankly, um, and, and luckily they heard more good things than bad things. And, and they reached out and they said, hey, we don't have a business plan. We don't have a business model. But this is what we do. And literally rocket scientists had worked for NASA helping detect what's called anomalies in space weather, um, which uh, NASA was at, at the time was only in the 60th percentile accuracy detecting. And they send these data sets to Stanford, MIT, JPL, UC San Diego. No one else could do better. But these guys got 90 percent accuracy the first time. NASA said, yeah. you got lucky. Here's another data set. Well, it's machine learning. It learns the more data you feed it. And it got better to the tune of 99% accuracy. And so that's where when they came to us and they shared this, we said, well, look, that's great. We're in San Diego. You know, it's a healthcare town. What can we do in, in, in uh, applying this technology and your expertise um, to healthcare? And in the interest yeah. of time, we said, can, you know, can you detect breast cancer better than existing computer-assisted detection technologies? And they very confidently said, yeah, we can do that. So we, we married their expertise with our operational background and expertise, and we brought in a, a fantastic chief medical officer, a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Bill Bradley at the time, who uh, sadly passed away a couple of years ago. We have another chief medical officer now, but Bill was instrumental at the beginning of the history. And so we, we came at it with, as investors, but we literally yeah. applying this venture studio model started the company so you know but for us the company wouldn't exist and we we brought the team members together we put the first money in um we you know attracted you know more investors more team members more board members and partners and so forth and and so while we are investors and uh you know have a vc fund i'm frankly more proud of saying we're entrepreneurs we're yeah we're business builders and we rolled up our sleeves and, and developed these companies and and, and myself, I'm uh, operational 100% right now uh, in, in developing you know, these technologies to you know, help prolong lives and save lives. Yeah, that's amazing. What, I mean, I have several things I'd love to, to kind of go down, but maybe one of the, the first places is how, how have you guys approached that innovation? Because that's such an interesting and I think aligns so much with how I view innovation, but taking that like, hey, you've applied this to space. Yeah. What if we applied it to cancer instead? Like, what were the lessons that you learned in innovating? Like some of the things that you weren't expecting, some of the things maybe you were. How did that go? Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's never uh, a straight line, right? It's two steps forward, one steps back, one step back. Um, and what we first came at uh in in regards to just let's take this up thirty thousand feet you know artificial intelligence is this term that you know and makes it into the news and then it kind of disappears for a while and uh yeah. it's been around for decades right and it has these fits and these starts and of course now it's in the news with chat gpt and uh you know and everything else around that um and and so we came at it from that perspective to say okay this is a technology that um is going to fundamentally change our lives uh, technology is not good or evil. It's just how is it used, right? Um, in in you know, the automobile, for example, it's not. It, it sure it's maimed and killed many people and pollutes, um, and, but but it's done so many good things for us as well, right? It's it's how is the technology used, 
so we said if this is this is a technology that's you know in some ways going to be more impactful on our lives than the internet itself right i'm not going to be uh you know name names there's people what much better known than me that say it's the new electricity it's it's yeah. a bigger invention than fire and i which i don't you know that that's a hard one to argue but you know some, <laughs> so some famous well-known people uh, yeah. that are in the new cycle have, have made these statements um so i wouldn't necessarily again go that far but i i will say that i think it's as important if not more important the internet itself and how it's going to impact our lives and so that's where we came at as investors first um and then we, we said okay there's an opportunity also we're very mission driven we said what can we do that will have a big impact we didn't want to just start a company to help deliver pizza to you faster or walk your dog or a dating app right uh we wanted to, to build something meaningful and so we said okay what can we do applying ai to all the data that's being generated within our healthcare system to help detect, predict, recommend, forecast, um, it, you know, and identify these anomalies, so to speak, and, and that can help uh, uh, improve the quality of our lives. Yeah. Well, uh, it sounds like it's turned out better than the, uh, the group that raised a couple hundred million from ClearBank to do AI predictive pizza. So it, it's, it's turned out better. Sure. Yes. <laughs> That's that's amazing. So as you guys have gone down that road, I mean, it's really interesting because you're coming at it from the investor operator and you're, and you're building. What are some of the lessons you've learned about being entrepreneurs and being operators that maybe were surprising to you coming more from the investor side initially? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to say within the healthcare industry, um, the regulatory hurdles that we have yeah. overcome. Um, it, you know, we came at it with a, you know, as out, a bit of an outsider's perspective. And sometimes that's beneficial, right? And, yeah. and, and think about things differently. And so that's why I think when you're building a team and if you're an entrepreneur, you're a founder, you're uh, a CEO of a company, you're a senior executive of, of a potentially new company um, or even a company that's growing, it's all about finding the right team members to complement each other. If everyone was the same, what's the value of that? Right. And yeah. so, you know, I, I like to say, you know, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. And, you know, sometimes depending on how mad my wife is, she says it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I want to find the best, you know, chief medical officer, the best yeah. scientist, the best, you know, marketing person or the you know best programmer. And, and, and of course their, they, their personalities have to fit our corporate culture. That's so important too. You know, if you, you know, there's a reason of the saying hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. Um, if you if you make a bad hire, um, that's toxic, right? And um, that could have a, a impact on the overall culture of the company. So um, is that's where we started putting the pieces together. Like I said, we like we think of ourselves as operators, uh, you know, building this company. We said, OK, let's, you know, the regulatory hurdles were not an area we were familiar with. So let's, we have to hire a regulatory expert. Uh, in the right one and the right law firm and um, the right consultants. Right. And so, um, so that, that was more of a learning curve initially. Um, yeah. It was specific to healthcare. Yeah. No, I think that's, I was just this morning talking to a, another entrepreneur about it's amazing seeing how many companies succeed or, or really struggle off of single decisions of uh, of hiring someone, you know, we we were talking about a friend who has a business that's really struggling, and um, and a key hire that they made a couple of years ago 
was just the wrong person. They they didn't have the right op- or the right experience and it's amazing to see how far down the wrong road that can take you. Uh, especially if it, it takes a couple of years to recognize like, oh, this is the wrong person. And it's not an easy task. What are, what are some of those things that you've learned about how to find the right people, but also the right partners? I think that's another. Finding the right law firm can be make huge swings in how much uh, success you have. A- absolutely. And I mean, look, uh, there, there's kind of the check the box, right? If you want to be, if, you, if you're a startup and you're looking to raise money and, yeah. um, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, of course, in the new cycle these days, but it used to yeah. be, oh, you know, we, we bank with Cooley or DLA Piper and we have a bank account with Silicon Valley Bank, right? So then, yep. like, okay. Whereas before, if a startup was like, okay, we're with Citibank or, or Wells Fargo and, you know, we have XYZ law firm that's not known, uh, it just it was another excuse for investors to say no or pass, right? Because you know, investors, you know, from the institutional investors on down to, let's say, angel investors that, um, you know, it's not their first rodeo, they look for reasons to say no, right? And yeah. so that's where the more boxes you can check off to at least not have that be an excuse, um, yeah. then, you know, you go from one meeting to the next, to the next, to the next. Uh, and so there are certain service providers that, um, again, just based off Referrals within your ecosystem, whether you're in San Diego or you're in, in Salt Lake City, Park City, you know, San Francisco, wherever you are, you want to find the right service providers and do some yeah. reference checks to find those vendors, right? Because um, there are some that'll not be qualified or will certainly charge you more than uh, they should. Uh, so it's important to do your due diligence, I think, as to service providers and, and consultants and whatnot. In regards to the hires, it, it's so important. And, and sometimes you, you think, well, I can't afford that person. Right. And it's, you're better off if it's truly the right person. And if you've done your due diligence, um, you know, having one exceptional person rather than two, three, four mediocre, uh, yeah. individuals. Right. So there's that element, um, in part, part of the use of funds to grow could be just that you say, we're, you know, going to hire and build out the team upon, you know, raising this additional capital and this is how we're going to scale. Um, and then if you end up hiring the wrong person, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's easier said than done, but you know, the sooner you can figure out that this person is a wrong person, um, whether it's a technical capability they don't have, or, uh, they don't fit the corporate culture or, you know, whatever other reason it's, it's better to just, you know, pull that bandaid off faster. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a really great point. It's I think that's also where entrepreneurship can be so difficult because it's it's not it's a meant, It's meant to be difficult. If it was it, easy, it wouldn't work. If it was easy, everyone would do it and everyone would be successful. And it, that's just uh, that's not how capitalism works, right? Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, well, as you've done that, I mean, you guys have seen uh, a lot of things change. You've gone through a lot of amazing experiences. What What do you think that one of the key lessons, you know, someone comes to you and is like, hey, I'm just getting going. The business is starting to work. What's like the one thing you're like, dude, make sure you do this. <laughs> uh, tell that that entrepreneur uh, the thing they should really be thinking about. So if, if they're at that point where they have called that minimal viable product, right, or they're, they're starting to make some sales, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're getting some traction. Uh, I would say surround yourself 
with people that are, you know, I, I touched on this earlier, better at you at everything. Yeah. And, and, and surround yourself with, uh, you know, whether it's full-time employee team members or, or uh, it's consultants or it's advisory boards, right? And you, you bring in people that can open doors uh, that but for them would not be. And, uh, and so I, I think I would start with that. Say, what, what's your missing gap? Um, you know, what is something you don't enjoy doing or can't do and find someone that enjoys doing that and is really good at doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, this is one I love asking. What's a book that you've been reading lately that, uh, you would recommend to everyone, especially AI. There's, I'm sure there's gotta be a couple good ones. There, there, there are, but you know, the, the book that I'm reading right now, uh, and I know right before the call, we were geeking out on it a little bit. And I'm a bit of a history buff. Yeah. So I'm reading a book, book called Empire Builder, um, and it's about, and I love, uh, you know, biographies and historical, uh, I'm a bit of a geek there, um, and it's about John Spreckles, who, who built the Hotel Del Coronado here in San Diego, Yeah. and the San Diego Gas and Electric, and Belmont Park, and and just was an integral part of the history of San Diego, and, and was just an incredible entrepreneur. Um, and so I'm, I, I love reading those type of stories and, and, you know, taking away and learning from them some even, even one or two nuggets. Um, but it's in, incredible history, right? From, you know, giving the land that's now North Island, which is even if we have 1000 years of peace, uh, that, that naval base will always be there because it's so critical. Yeah. And, um, and so he gave it, uh, to the Navy. I don't know. He didn't necessarily want to give it forever, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, that's how it ended up happening. And, you know, he got paid decent for it, but, it, uh, uh, it, it used to, it was the first place that this, uh, a seaplane ever took off and landed from. Um, and, and so a lot of just, that's anyway, not, but, uh, no, but I, but yeah, I, I love that. I, mean, I, 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 yeah, I love, uh, you know, reading about what, you know, others build, um, and that, uh, you know, that could be from 10 years ago to a hundred years ago. Yeah, I've I've been uh, I just barely started, but I started Titan uh, okay. about Rockefeller, um, and it's yeah, it's just fascinating. I, oh, I think oh. a lot of those it's easy. I think sometimes for us to look at history and say, man, they were so different, they didn't understand what we understand. We're so smart now, uh, and then you read those books, and you're like, no, it's the exact same stuff. It, it's it, it is, and I'm gonna put that one on, on my list too. I've I've heard of it, I haven't read it, but. No, it, it, it's absolutely uh, the same. Whether you're reading about Henry Ford or the Rockefellers or you know, present day, you know, Elon Musk and the Bill Gates of the world and others. Yeah. First off, everyone is imperfect, right? No, no one is perfect. They they have people that love them, people that hate them, right? And I think if you yeah. get to a certain level, you're, you're you know, there's going to be people that want to you know take you out of your knees, right? And and there's certain people that love Elon Musk and people that hate Elon Musk, right? And yeah. he's in the news every cycle, right? And it was the same back then. Uh, but I think what's fascinating is just the history and the perseverance and the the tenacity they had to build what they built. Yeah, that's definitely uh, when I think of like, what what time would I have loved to have been born in other than now? I always think those those like kind of more pioneer moving to a place building out a town playing sim city is pretty <laughs> the or oregon the oregon trail days right yeah well and even you think about san diego and that development uh that's it's amazing to go there now and 
you just kind of take it all for granted that it's all just there. I mean, you know, we were watching 1883, uh, a, yeah, a oh, yeah, show of an offshoot of Yellowstone, and and in my head, I was like, they were doing that back then while the Hotel Dell was up and running, and yeah, built about at the same time, about 125, 130 years That's ago. Crazy, and, and so just crazy to places that you have these pioneers and wagons from Germany that are you know crossing you know, the Midwest, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, there's, you know, skyscrapers being, well, maybe not skyscrapers at the time, buildings being built in New York yeah. hotels here. And, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, it's, I think every time is fascinating and in its own way, uh, when you, you look back, uh, and have the benefit of, uh, you know, that, that hindsight. Yeah. Well, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out for sure. Well, when it comes to AI, uh, I think it's one of the, like you said, so talked about right now. Uh, what's your view on it? What, what's kind of your opinion on how we leverage AI, where, where it will take us? Yeah, us? no, no. I, look, I, I think uh, not to overuse all the terms of it's, it's this, you know, most important thing since, you know, electricity or internet. It, it's incredibly, yeah, yeah. it is a technology that is going to impact our lives in ways we can't even imagine. Uh, and I think that the reason that this cycle is not going to go away comes down to three aspects. One, there's more data being collected to process and get a value out of, whether that's data from your iPhone, your iWatt, uh, Tesla. If you drive a Tesla, that's a, as yeah. an engineers call it, it's a node, right? Anything that yep. is connected to the internet is a node. Uh, a pacemaker that's connected to the internet, right? Any medical device. So all these nodes uh, are generating data and to unlock that data, you need higher compute capacity. So the GPU chips that were initially built for video games are the, you know, these incredibly powerful chips. Um, and, and then to, to process more data. And then with the cloud and having the benefit of the cloud, instead of having to have your own hardware and data center, it's much less expensive to process more data. And, and so uh, higher compute capacity, more data to unmine, uh, unlock value from and to mine and detect patterns and anomalies. and and with the cloud, it's much less expensive. So for us, um, you know, in applying our AI to mammograms to detect breast cancer and heart disease, uh, if we didn't have the cloud, we'd have to have spent tens of millions of dollars more on just having yeah. the hardware to do that, right? And we probably would, this company wouldn't exist probably if, if that was the case. So it's much easier to start companies because of the, the, that fact, we don't need our own hardware. Um, and so I think that's where with AI, it, it's only gonna go faster and faster here. And so, you know, there are going to be a need, there will be a need for people with PhDs in AI ethics, right? So that's a job that's going to have to uh, be filled, going to pay very well. But there are also people that are going to lose their jobs. Uh, and so there are yeah. jobs that are created that we can't fathom. And there's certainly jobs that will be disrupted. But, that you know, you can't stop innovation. And if we stop, by the way, you think the Russians are going to stop? You think the Chinese are going to stop? The Europeans yeah. are so then we'll become a third world country if we stop. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's just the, what we have to deal with. And, and it's a technology at the end of the day. It's not good or evil. It's there will be bad actors that will look to use it in ways that would you know, harm us or others. So our job is to, you know, find ways to mitigate those bad actors and uses yeah. would uh, otherwise harm us, whether it's uh, healthcare, uh, cybersecurity, and national security issue. Um, but what I would say is if someone 
is not a data scientist or is not a computer, you know, developer or programmer. Um, and they're like, oh, that's not for me. Well, that's not the case. Even if you're a real estate agent, you should know how AI can be used to impact your business. Uh, because if it doesn't replace you, uh, someone in your field using it will replace you. So it's a tool to use to, again, make a prediction, a recommendation, a forecast, detect trends and patterns and anomalies. Um, and so that's where, even if you're not a data scientist with a physics background, um, I think it's important for everyone to know how um, this tool can potentially impact their lives uh, and their and their livelihoods. Yeah. No, it's it's a fascinating time where we kind of are in this, we've seen so much technology progress uh, or technological progression in the last 40 years. And then for some reason, AI is the one that everyone's like, it's going to take over and kill all of us and steal all of our jobs. And it's like, the internet has made our lives so much easier and it's allowed us to progress because it's taken some of the, so many of those kind of uh, rote kind of more monotonous things and allowed us to not have to do them anymore. Uh, And none of us, and we've drastically improved society through that progress. Absolutely. And in, 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 in healthcare specifically, we have a shortage of doctors. We have a, yeah. a shortage of nurses. I just read a few weeks ago that there's going to be a, big, a wave of you know retirements coming, and and that's going to make the problem even more acute. So the fact is, we need we need more doctors, or we need to have tools that empower them to be able to treat more people and see more people and deliver better yeah. care. Um, and so again, what we develop. Uh, I always say, you know, AI is not going to replace the doctor, but the doctor using it will replace the radiologist, the cardiologist, the oncologist that is not using it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great, it's a great point. Uh, well, we, we, time always flies. Uh, anything that you would ask people to go do? Is there uh, something that people can, who are listening can help with or uh, draw attention to? What would be your call to action? I would say anyone that's interested in what we're doing, whether they have cancer or a loved one does, uh, go directly to curematch.com, C-U-R-E match, M-A-T-C-H.com. Um, and and uh, there's ways you could contact us there, of course, our phone number or email or whatnot. Um, and then on the uh, breast cancer heart disease detection front, it's curemetrics.com, M-E-T-R-I-X. Um, and you know, and if you're from the industry, uh, whether a doctor or hospital, uh, from the insurance side, um, we're always looking to, uh, find the partners to work with so we can get these technologies out to market faster. And, uh, even if we can do it one day faster, that's someone's life we can impact. Yeah. I love it. Well, uh, I want to keep talking about some AI stuff. Maybe we'll talk after <laughs> we finish recording, but thanks so much, Naveed, for coming and uh, sharing it's it's amazing to see kind of where the world is going and that people like you guys are trying to solve some of these big problems that we have well jay thank you for having me and look i'm a glass half full guy and i think anyone that's an entrepreneur is glass half full you you have to be to keep pushing yep. forward and i think you know we, we live in incredible times uh in light of all the nastiness sometimes we read in the news yeah no i love it appreciate it and thanks for th- thanks for taking the time my pleasure